I've been saying for uh, a few years, Taking Ship is a, a great, great podcast available where all great podcasts are offered. You can go to takingship.com. Let me read this. A guided cruise through dumbest timeline America. Taking Ship is a voyage through the morass of dumbest timeline America. It's the kind of podcast that believes you can take politics and culture seriously while laughing at both. Very similar to this show. It's hosted by Ellie Jacobs, Maggie Moore, and Frank Spring, three political hacks who've run out of S-bombs to give. Each episode, they'll take a look at the political landscape, condone and condemn those who deserve it, and often be joined by a guest who's smarter and cooler than they are. We could just take this and make it the drive bio, really. I mean, that's pretty much what we're all about, too. Our dear friends and all Drive Hall of Famers, L.A. Jacobs, Maggie Moore, and Frank Spring. Hi, kids. Hey, Steve. So, hey, Steve. Good to talk to everyone. Hi, Maggie. Hey there. How's it going? Hey, Frank. Remember when we had lunch in D.C. in October with uh, Tom Foreman from CNN and the great comedian from the, Daily, uh, from the Late Show with Stephen Colbert? Uh, How could I forget? Paul Mercurio. Yeah, that was cool, man. That was great. And... Uh, Ellie, you're going to have to make your way to D.C. I believe we're going in April. Mike will keep you posted, but we all got to get, get together. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, you guys coming to New York wouldn't be too bad either. Maggie yeah, and I, I are know. both up here. Yeah, I know. but Yeah, can I come too? Yes, please do, Maggie. And I, <laughs> We've done New York so many times. I was born there. And, and then when we got hooked up as uh, major players in Washington, D.C., and we are, believe it or not, uh, we've been going there more often. But anyway... Taking ship. Talk about how this started, and uh, and, and just uh, you know, give us your resumes quickly and stuff for my listeners. Your listeners probably know this, but so uh, we started this about uh, uh, well, about six weeks after Trump's uh, inauguration. Right. Uh, Frank and I were looking for an outlet for uh, a little bit of overaggression, um, frustration general malaise. And we decided the best way to go about doing that was to talk to everybody on the planet Earth about our problems and the problems of the country. Uh, and then after about a year and a half of us yammering at each other, we decided we needed another good voice. And uh, Maggie was willing to take the plunge and put up with our nonsense. Uh, and and it's, uh, that, that's, where, that's where we're at. We've had some fantastic guests over the last uh, year and a half. Uh, we've got some good ones coming up. And We've gotten good reviews uh, and, and some great plugs from from you, and we're greatly appreciative of that. We did a live show uh, about a month and a half ago where we previewed the 2020 uh, Democratic primaries in our own special way, kind of breaking it out like NCAA tournament style. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we're at. You know, it, it's it's uh, for me personally, it's how I've managed to stay to stay staying sane in dumbest timeline America. <laughs> Yeah, Steve, we're very angry, and it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> Without question. That's, uh, why do you think I show up here every day? Uh, and we're all drinking right now, by the way. Well, like, I hope uh, you are. <laughs> uh, all different types of alcohol, might I add. 
of course. Well, you know, you guys are, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, never mind. I, I, I'm sorry. So this is going to, we're recording this. This is going to be the podcast for this week. That's the plan. Uh, we'll see how your engineers and Mike uh, rec- record this thing. But our plan is just to put this up because we're super lazy and are big believers in uh, using things that aren't really ours again. Yeah, <laughs> it's all called getting by. That's what we do here, too. Um, Mike is. Re- oh, yes, he's recording this, but backwards. <laughs> so it so be- if you play it backwards, it'll, it'll, it'll actually- make at least as much sense. <laughs> yeah, it, you'll, it'll make as much sense. And you'll also hear us praising Satan a lot. I was yeah. just going to say what satanic verses shall be revealed in reverse. <laughs> and by yeah. the way, Paul is dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, might, you guys might be too young to remember that one. Anyway. All right, so why taking ship? I've asked you guys before, but uh, tell our listeners and yours. So this is an obscure one, um, but, but it's it, it's an expression. Taking ship is just a is just a board a vessel for for anywhere, uh, and and the, the the term Ellie and I got fixated with it right before Hillary Clinton declared uh, her candidacy for the Democratic the day of actually the day of yeah the day of. Uh, when she declared her uh, her candidacy for the presidential nomination of the Democratic Party, and we were sort of speculating about how they would how they would roll out the announcement, and I said that the most important thing, the only way to do it, would be for her to do it dockside in Manhattan, in which she vows to win the nomination and then immediately and ceremoniously take ship for Brooklyn, and that that became kind of a fixation for us, the idea of people making any important announcement in their lives by taking ship. Uh, and so it seemed only right that when it came time for us to embark on this journey that we take ship too. I love it. It really is a great uh, podcast. You guys, it's once a week, right? That's what we aim for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we aim to do this show once a day and it doesn't always work. But uh, uh, And it, again, as I always say, it's available where all great podcasts are offered. It is uh, Maggie Moore, Ellie Jacobs, and Frank Spring. Three political hacks. We're calling it uh, taking the drive, at least for today. Uh, and we, uh, you'll keep us posted as uh, it should be up at some point this week. Uh, yeah, as uh, you know, we'll get it up within a couple hours of when uh, we get the audio. Okay, so it'll be uh, Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. 2020. <laughs> we got to take our bottom of the hour break. Mike will edit all this and send everything to you guys so you can use it in the podcast. I've got this horrific cold, and I'm sorry I'm not my usual uh, quick, hilarious self today, but I'll do the best I can for your uh, listeners and for mine as well. Maggie Moore, uh, Frank Spring, and Ellie Jacobs. The podcast is taking ship, and you'll be able to hear all this with me bitching about my cold uh, at some point on their podcast. All right, this is cool. Right now we're doing a uh, podcast, uh, recording a podcast, doing it live on The Drive with three Drive Hall of Famers, our dear friends Ellie Jacobs, Maggie Moore, and Frank Spring from the podcast Taking Ship. Go to takingship.com and check it out. Uh, They're doing a great job, and we really... Well, I, I like I keep saying, it's one of my favorite podcasts. One of the few I listen to whenever I'm conscious. It's not that often, but uh, anyway. That's honestly the highest praise we've ever gotten. <laughs> We're uh, very big in the unconscious demo, too, just, just to be yeah, clear. Yeah, I know. So are we. So it all works out together. Uh, I was bitching earlier about uh, you know having to deal three to one here. I feel a little outnumbered, but we all agree on everything. So pretty much I, I really don't care. 
Yeah, we're all nice that way. We like to agree with each other, except yeah. for when we like to fight. I personally like to fight, so. Well, cool. I'm always down to fight. <laughs> uh, Maggie, I, I know these other uh, two uh, Jamokes. What, uh, <laughs> give us quickly uh, your background, because uh, you are the latest addition uh, to Taking Ship. Yeah, latest and greatest, as we all say um, mm-hmm. on the show together. That's what everyone says. We do say that. <laughs> I feel confident speaking you for You hear it more and more. You hear it more and more. Uh, M-O-O-R-E. That is how that's spelled, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm originally from Eugene, Oregon. I'm a West Coast gal, uh, but feel much more at home uh, on the West Coast, New York specifically. Um, and I met um, these two gentlemen uh, while I was working uh, at the Truman National Security Project, mm-hmm. um, which was wonderful. Uh, and I'm now a political partner there. Um, I was an organizer on the um, 26 campaign for, the, uh, for Hillary in North Carolina. Uh, and now I'm the current communications director for an education nonprofit called The Future Project, uh, where we work with young people to help them realize their passion and purpose in life. All right, we've hit the preliminaries here. It's time to get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, gentlemen and lady, Sonoma, I'm, I'm sorry, Sonoma. I'm, I'm tell, I've told you, I'm, I'm, I'm weak today. I'm weak, I'm telling you. Uh, the State of the Union address, your reaction, kids. Well, it was unprecedented, um, even though you really hear it more and more. Uh, it was, we were talking about it earlier, and there's at least one, you know, one thing that we know for sure that came out of this was it was clear proof that Stephen Miller cannot write a coherent sentence. <laughs> yeah, it's what you write if you, think you're, if you think you're a good writer and really, really aren't. Yeah. It's like a speech by Dunning-Kruger. Or a speech that would be submitted by someone who really, really, really wants the job, but is still in college. You know what I mean? Yeah. It yeah was, it's it it's was... like the kid who has never been said told no in his whole life. So he's basically just been able to like eat paste and beat up on other kids, even though they're really beating up on him because he's kind of like a wimpy incel. It's like he came through with the book report on the book he didn't read, but the teacher still gave him an A. Because his teacher's afraid of his dad. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a weird speech. It, it uh, delve a little more into your thoughts, everybody, on this. Yeah, uh, it, it was a weird speech, and and I uh, proclaimed on social media that I was not going to be watching it. Um, I my plan was to go pre Woodrow Wilson and uh, read the transcript today, which is what I did. Which, wow. considering the speech went on for something like an hour twenty two, uh, and it took me about seven minutes to read the thing, I feel like I really made a better. I'd like to say I made better use of my time, but I mean, let's be honest, I, I did not. Um, but not I certainly, I certainly was less angry um, by doing my method. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, can, I can see that, Maggie. Watching it live is such a uniquely horrifying experience. I tend to stay away from watching him speak live, mostly because I really do enjoy watching a moving speaker, and he is not. Um, I think you realize how hard you have to work at delivering this kind of an address due to the sheer lack of practice on his end. Every inhale is directly into the microphone. He lists to one side. He gestures oddly. It's so distracting. Um, Honestly, the breath is what really gets me, and it makes me um, 
it just makes me miss Obama so much. You know, you got to love uh, when he s- said, uh, you know, when you had all these suffragette uh, celebratory women in white and everything, all these new women, mostly young women who have been elected to the uh, House of Representatives. And he talked about uh, the job situation and that uh, something like 58% of the new jobs have gone to women. Boy, they took that and oh, yes. rolled with it. That was very cool. Yeah, it was great to watch. Um, and it was so, like, I understand why you would want to put that into a speech um, to show that he's not a total monster, um, that he can congratulate women when they win. But uh, what's interesting is that many, many women, a record number, record breaking number of women were motivated to run because of him. Right. Those women who got those new jobs were there because they hated him. So I don't know if this is really the back padding moment that he thinks it is. No, he didn't. Uh, he thought, you know, it was going to be a kind of a throw off. OK, so this is good for you ladies. Uh, Love the girls. Uh, and then they took it. And I know he was not expecting that. And then they started screaming, USA, USA. And I look over and I see all these Republican white guys joining them in USA, USA, because they had no idea what was going on. They're not listening when women talk. They don't know what's happening. Yeah, it was just this sort of strange field of mayonnaise-looking guys uh, just just chanting USA because that's what they're programmed to do. But right. the speech, it was it was a strange piece of work. I mean, it really was kind of an antagonism sandwich on, on sort of smarmy bread in the sense that, like, it started off with this. It started off and concluded with these just horrific, overblown purple prose exhortations to we're all going to work together. And there are some speakers who can pull that off, but Trump is not one of them. Uh, just even stylistically, let alone the content of his of his character or his views on governing. Uh, and then and then the whole content. And then you know, for the most part, uh, the lion's share of the of this just again overloaded sandwich in which he talked about everything. And this is sort of how you could tell he was floundering a little bit. Because the speech seemed to lack any kind of organizational method, any theme, uh, any bro- you know, a- you know, anything that would suggest that the writer was doing anything except throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what would stick. Right. Uh, to mix my food metaphors a little bit, uh, but all of it was, <laughs> but all of it was aggressively anti- mo- a lot of it was aggressively antagonistic and openly defined of Democrats. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that at one point he threatened to keep the country in war unless they stopped investigations. I don't know. That might have been a passing fever dream. Uh, it was a really odd piece. We all need to work together. I hate hate you all and you've treated me very unfairly, uh, but we all need to work together. Good night is the short version of it. Right. It was a and, real and, weird and, piece of work. Right. And anybody that doesn't look like me is an enemy. Yeah. For all you non-orange people out there. Uh, you know, in advance of the speech, uh, the White House people were saying that Trump would extend an olive branch to Democrats, urge the, the parties to come together for the good of, uh, of the country. And he he uh, relate you know he he uh, said that uh, in various ways a few times but then what happened uh, this morning calling uh, uh, Adam Schiff a uh, political hack and this and that and everything it whatever I mean this is this is you know everybody talks about how Trump doesn't drink but this is sort of like classic <laughs> alcoholic al- alcoholism reaction you know he doesn't remember what he did last night and yeah. and that's basically what we saw today he, he you know he he goes in thinking that he's going to be all unifying even though in uh, traditionally the the president of the united states meets with um anchors and and major uh um news anchors from the various networks and cable channels uh for lunch the, the morning of the state of the union 
Trump did that, but apparently during his lunch, he just trashed the media and Democrats and people running for presidency. Right. So yep. uh, the fact that he was able to keep it together for what amounts to maybe eight hours of sleep time, I guess, like when they pumped him for full of more Valium to you know lower the testosterone that they pumped him up with to go give the speech <laughs> is sort of to be kind of expected at this point. Uh, well put, as always. Uh, Ellie Jacobs, Maggie Moore, and Frank Spring. The podcast is taking ship. This, uh, they're recording that, well, Mike's recording this. He'll send it to them, and then uh, it'll be their podcast for this week, and we're live on The Drive. Coming up, California Wine Country with Dan Berger, today featuring the great Carol Shelton and her wines. Okay, let's size up the 2020 field, uh, folks. Uh, Mike tells me that Ellie has some things to say about Cory Booker. Uh Pray tell, sir. I don't know that I have things to say about Cory Booker. I'm just looking forward to watching him flame out horrifically poorly on the national stage. And why? Uh, you know, Cory Booker looks like, looks, sounds, and has the bio of somebody you'd really want to be successful in Democratic politics. I agree. But in reality, his closeness to the pharmaceutical industry, his closeness to Wall Street, his you know, other than the fact that, like, you know, he ran into burning buildings in Newark to help people, his overall disastrous mayoralship in Newark, uh, and the fact that he's really done nothing in the Senate other than grandstand, really doesn't, to me, add up to somebody who should be worthwhile for my vote as a president. Um, you know, add to that that he that there's sort of this ongoing discussion in, in New York media circles of whether Cory Booker is actually someone of substance or if it's all just like show and sparkle. And uh, despite the fact that I have no doubt that he's an incredibly intelligent person and yeah. um, his heart is probably in the right place. I think probably. So. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't see him as somebody being a viable national candidate. I don't either. And I, I like the guy a lot, uh, but no, I don't see him being a viable national candidate. Although he is dating Rosaria Dawson now. Yeah, uh, interestingly, uh, about <laughs> uh, seven or eight weeks ago, Page Six reported that he was dating a mystery woman, right. uh, which clearly meant that he didn't want anyone to know who he, who he was dating. And then about three weeks after that, it was Rosario Dawson. And then in the week since he declared, it's very clear that it's Rosario Dawson, and he has announced that publicly. Um, again, I don't care who the guy's dating or not dating, but the fact that it was sort of this plotted out process of announcing that he's dating Rosario Dawson, <laughs> to me, that's not like, if you're going to do politics, be better at it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I just want to see Rosario Dawson as first lady. So Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm, uh, you know, as long as they're together, I'm voting for him. Or supporting him. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anybody, any uh, weigh in, uh, folks, Maggie and uh, and Frank about uh, 2020. I personally am excited to get to have a candidate to be excited about again. That's going to be exciting. Um, I think I I give Ellie a lot a, a really hard time about his. Uh, Pretty public disdain for Cory Booker, but honestly, all the points that he made uh, do make a lot of sense. Um, and the uh, the thing that happened the other day with Cory Booker that really disappointed me, and honestly, I was really surprised by, was um, I he was doing some kind of presser, and a reporter asked him if he thought Trump was racist, and he gave this really mealy mouthed answer where he said, like, I don't know what's in his heart, 
And it seemed like such a easy opportunity for Cory Booker to speak in a strong and clear and concise way. And he just fumbled the ball and it was kind of embarrassing. And I don't really see a lot of other candidates um, answering the question the same way, with the exception of Tulsi Gabbard. I bet she would answer the question that way. Um, but would Kamala Harris do that? I don't think so. Speaking of Kamala, I'm a huge fan, and uh, at this early <clears throat> phase of the game, being a Californian, I am uh, supporting her, uh, and I hope that uh, you know she can take off at some point and uh, actually become at least somebody who could become president. I don't know. Folks, talk about Kamala. There's a lot to like in in, in her candidacy and, and her. I mean, <clears throat> it's it's worth pointing out that when we did our uh, when we did our, our tournament style uh, uh, 2020 Democratic primary field in the live show a couple of weeks ago, that she she was our our number one seed. Uh, she's obviously a very talented politician, very smart, very capable person, a good communicator. Big structural advantages. California counts for a lot. Uh, in the uh, in the primary uh, because it is such a big place. Uh, I don't need to tell anyone here that uh, she can raise a huge amount of money. I mean, she's got an enormous. She really has a big structural advantage. I would say that in the early going. Now there is no national primary, so we're not really going to know anything until uh, about eight months from now is when things are going to start to crystallize, maybe just a little bit. Right. Um, but uh, but she. I would say that. I mean, her since her since her announcement, she's gotten off to a great start. And you know, I, you know, I would say the two the two people who have gotten off to the best start right now, in terms of being able making the the decisions they've made and how they've structured their their candidacies, are her and Elizabeth Warren. I know somewhere Ellie Jacobs' head is exploding as I say something nice about Elizabeth Warren, but yeah, I think yeah, she's I gotten off to a really robust I, I start as well. I swear that like hurt my brain a little bit. Yeah, Ellie, talk about Elizabeth. Probably Warren. why I said it. And this whole thing, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing today with uh, her, you know, she's all over CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. Yeah. So um, when Frank mentioned that Kamala Harris was our number one seed, uh, we had sort of created our own objective metrics to score all these different candidates against each other, and one of those metrics was unforced error. Uh, and you could lose points because of that. And Elizabeth Warren's decision to A, take a DNA test and B, release the results, uh, to me is actually two separate uh, significant screw ups. Uh, and, and the fact that it didn't take very long for um, a reporter to dig up this uh, application for her law license in Texas in which she applied as a Native American. Again, you know, there. It, uh, Factually, she does have Native American blood in her. Uh, I read somewhere that Cory Booker, um, who I was just dumping on a little bit, is actually 70, per, 70 times more Native American than Elizabeth Warren. Is. Oh, get out of here. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But again, this isn't a but that but that's not a question that's decided by, uh, you know, by DNA. This is a, I mean, it's a it's a cultural question, as the tribes themselves have made very clear. Right. And she has clearly um, upset. Uh, several Native American tribes, as uh, they should be upset uh, by the way she went about doing this. Um, you know, clearly, uh, and one of our other, um, we had another category uh, that we were working on, and it was sort of Trump can suck my ballness, uh, which was a three-part question. Uh, it, it was based on, um, one, um, can Donald Trump easily brand you? Can he nickname you? Two, uh, does Donald Trump's, you know, just general being a jerk, throw you off your game, and three, is Donald Trump actively scared of you? So we know from reporting that Donald Trump is actively scared of Joe Biden and Mike Bloomberg. And if you look at yeah. sort of the category of people who are running and sort of what Trump has been in their head as a virus or however you want to talk about it, 
he clearly has impacted um, Elizabeth Warren more than anybody else because there was no reason for her to do that DNA thing that she did other than to quiet down Donald Trump. And it backfired in the most spectacular ways and is clearly obviously still uh, causing damage to her you know, nation campaign. We just got a message on Facebook from a listener saying, uh, can't the people at Taking Shift, S-H-I-F-T, say anything positive? And this is why, I'll tell you why, every time I say the, the phrase taking ship, I put in a hard P there. Because it's taking ship, not shift. But uh, Yeah, it's P as in phonetic. It's P <laughs> as in positive. Mm-hmm. That's P as in yeah. positive. I'm pretty sure I just did when I, taught, when I said that Kamala Harris is, you know, is, is good and is, and is well positioned and that Elizabeth Warren has, all, has also gotten off to a really good start. Ellie's point is a really good one, but it's worth pointing out about her that uh, I, I'm not sure how salient this issue is, certainly for winning the Democratic Party primary. Uh, but also, I mean, her campaign is well-funded. It's well-structured. Her first, This is a very technical point, but it's a really important one. Uh, her first four hires in Iowa, any one of whom could have been the state director for Iowa for another presidential campaign, which means that she's extremely well uh, well staffed in the mo- in an import- in a state where organizing really matters, yeah. and also that her opponents will not be because she's hired the, a lot of the really good people, and her politics are a really really good fit for the Democratic Party right now, and they're a really good fit for the country. I mean, she she has done herself a mischief for sure uh, with uh, you know with the handling of the DNA question, but but she's. And if you want something positive to say, she's in pretty good nick also. And while we're saying something positive, we also just want to put in a, a, a plug for Pete Buttigieg, uh, the mayor of South Bend. Really good dude. Very, very strong, very visceral uh, progressive politics. He's got a very steep hill to climb to win the Democratic nomination. It's going to be up. That's, that's, it is a hard one for him. Yeah, But if anyone is looking for a kind of, you know, a, you know, a young Democrat, you know, one of the young Democrats that can really give you hope for the future of the party, look to Pete. He's great. I've, yeah, seen, a I mean, few, I've big, seen a few things with him, and I was very impressed. Yeah, I mean, we're big fans of uh, of Mayor Pete. Uh, you know, his big claim to fame for a while was that he was the youngest mayor of a city with over a hundred thousand people living in it. But the reality is, is he was elected with seventy six percent of the vote, and then reelected three months after he came out uh, in South Bend, Indiana, which is obviously the home of Notre Dame, uh, with eighty percent of the vote. And he's done an amazing job as as mayor. Uh, he's a, a Iraq war vet. He uh, is a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, he came back to South Bend uh, ditching a pretty successful consulting um, career. So we are big fans of the idea of Pete. Uh, we don't have a whole, you know, we don't have a tremendous amount of hope that he's going to make it very far. But right, right. I think all three of us, uh, not to speak for Maggie and Frank too much, but I think all three of us kind of see that the direction that Pete is going in is the direction the party really needs to go in. Uh, we're short on time here. I know you guys don't care because uh, your podcast, you can do whatever you want. But we are live on the air. We've got to hit the top of the hour break. But quickly, WTF Virginia. What the hell's going on? And I know, Frank, you you're, you can't talk a whole lot about it. And that's for reasons we're not going to divulge here. But, folks, what's going on in Virginia? Three of them now. The top three people in the state. Yeah, it's. It's not great, Bob, if you watch Mad Men. That's one of my favorite references. Um, It's not great, and it's actually really surprising. I mean, I've I've seen this joke happening a lot, but I can't stop thinking about it. Is Virginia the new Florida of just crazy people running around doing, doing a whole bunch of stuff? I mean... I like it's disappointing. That's for sure. 
Um, and the other thing that I'll tell you I'm a little disappointed about is a lot of the coverage that I've seen headlines that are weirdly refusing to put in the words blackface. Um, where they say dark makeup, like we all know what it is. Like, please call it what it is. But yeah, I, I have no idea what's happening in Virginia. And all I want is for everyone to resign. Yeah, it looks like it may come to that. Ellie, thoughts? Uh, I don't know. I'm in the same in the same bag that Maggie's in. I, I, you know, I think that on the grand scheme of things, uh, the, what the attorney general did today, coming up proactively and writing uh, what I, in my mind is an incredibly um, powerful statement um, of apology and explaining sort of where his mentality was and, and why what happened happened. Uh, you know, people in the south of the Mason, Mason Dixon line pre like 1995. Dressing up in blackface was like kids in New York dressing up as a Ghostbuster for Halloween. Like I don't know that it was that un- unusual, right? But the but the Attorney General's statement today it really raises the question, um, and this is you know a much much bigger uh, concept and thing worth uh, worthy of discussion. And you know a bunch of white people are not the people to have this conversation. But it's sort of at what point can you do you actually can you get forgiveness and can you move on yeah. or are you just sort of saddled with uh horrific mistakes of your youth for your entire career and i think that it, that particularly going forward because all of us um who are under the age of you know 45 essentially there's definitely stuff on on facebook or instagram or twitter or something else that i'm not particularly happy with you know I'll, I'll be the first to say i was certainly not in blackface for any of it but there's definitely things I'm not happy about. And it's really sure. just a question of can anyone be forgiven at this point for anything? Or are you just um, marked, for, marked for death? Yeah. Uh, Taking Ship with a P is the podcast. Go to takingship.com. We'll let you know when uh, Mike sends this out to the kids, and then uh, they'll put it up as their podcast this week, live on the drive. If this works, we should do it once a month. Absolutely. All right, cool. Uh, Maggie Moore, Frank Spring, and Ellie Jacobs, Drive Hall of Famers, all of them. Thanks, guys. That was fun. We'll do it again. Thank you. Take care.